Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to episode 167 of The Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I am Tim Robertson, the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program with the ALPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar and Planetaries collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomenon and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. This podcast depends upon donations from you. Yes, you, our listeners, keep it going. If you enjoy what you hear in the podcast and you help want to help support it, you can donate via Patreon. You can start off by giving as, as little as $1 per month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you are going to be a producer noted on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash Observer's Notebook. If you'd like to join the ALPO, membership begins at $22 a year. Find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And we're also on the Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And this podcast also has a Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And if you enjoy what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe and hit that little bell button so you never miss another episode. And now, episode 167, and it's time for Bob Lunsford and Summertime Meteor Showers. Enjoy! All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Uh, we're talking meteor showers today, so that obviously means we're talking about Lunsford. Bob Lunsford, welcome, welcome back to the podcast, Bob. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. It's summertime, yeah. Meteor season in the northern hemisphere, mm-hmm. so uh, it actually won't kick into high gear until about the fifteenth of July. Um, it's like someone turns on the spigot <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of meteors, <laughs> but, uh, the, the first two weeks of July, uh, actually it's going to be mooned anyway, so we're not missing much, right. but they're much like the, the spring months. You're not going to see more than uh, half a dozen meteors an hour, even during the, the peak morning hours. So, um, it, it starts off slow, but uh, come, I'd say, the weekend starting July 15th, starts off, it uh, kicks into high gear then. Okay. Uh, about that time, we have the uh, about three showers starting. The Perseids, which we all know and love. Right. The Alpha Capricornids, which aren't uh, very well known, but uh, they tend to produce a high percentage of fireballs. Oh. And the third one is the Southern Delta Aquarius. Now, both the uh, Capricornids and the Aquarius will peak uh, on the last day of July. And the Capricornids only reach a, 
a hourly rate of about five an hour. So nothing too exciting, but mm. like I said, a high percentage of those are fireballs. So it won't be anything like last year's tarred uh, no. bar- barrage of fireballs, but it still uh, adds adds a nice uh, nice few meteors to the warm summer nights. Now the uh, the Delta Aquarius are kind of opposite. They're they're stronger from northern latitudes. They can produce. Uh, up, up to about 15 meteors an hour at about three in the morning when they're highest above the southern horizon. But this year, they coincide with the full moon. In fact, both the Capricornids and uh, Aquarius peak on the same night, which is hmm. uh, July 31st. Full moon's on August 1st. So they're going to okay. be squashed. <laughs> oh. uh, but we can see the uh, the activity ramping up uh, while while the moon you know is goes from new to full because uh, there will still be a couple hours of darkness uh, up around till the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, okay. and pretty much after that the moon will be in the uh, the sky the remainder of the night. So that's what we have to look forward to in July. Uh, the first probably 10 days in August are going to be filled with moonlight. So uh, not much we can say about that. Uh, <laughs> but come around the 10th, the Perseids will be kicking into high gear. And this year they will peak on the night of August 12th slash 13th, Saturday night, Sunday morning. So it's good for all those people that have weekends off so the moon will be two days before new so it'll be a real skinny crescent and it it won't even most people probably won't even see it because it, right. it'll real rise probably the same time dawn starts so a lot of uh, you know we always say watch the Perseids right before dawn. Mm-hmm. The radiance high in the sky. That's where you see the most meteors. But actually, you can see them all night long. The only problem is it, during the evening hours, the radiant lies low on the northern horizon. So, you know, 90% of the activity then is going to be blocked by the horizon. Mm-hmm. And you only see a few of, few of them shoot over overhead or skim the east or west horizon. Now, if you can only observe during that time, uh, don't give up because the meteors you do see are are barely skimming the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, they, they, they tend to be very long and long-lasting. Mm. So your normal Perseid is less than a second and usually pretty short. Now, these meteors you see just as soon as it gets dark, they tend to last several seconds and can shoot 50, 60 degrees of the sky. Wow. So there's not many of them, but the ones you see are pretty jaw-dropping. <laughs> okay. So uh, that's you know one good thing about observing early. But as the night progresses for the Perseids, the radiant raises high, higher into the northeastern sky. The meteors will become faster and shorter, but you'll see more of them. Okay. Now, are, is this meteor shower related to a comet? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, the comet was discovered in 1861 by two guys, last names of Swift and Tuttle. Mm-hmm. So it's Comet Swift-Tuttle. It has a, 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 a orbital period of 120 years. 
So it was uh, last seen in 1990. So it's going to be a while before okay. before it makes it around again. Okay. But um, and it really doesn't matter because this comet has made so many orbits being even though it's 120 years it has been around a long time so there are many trails of debris produced by this comet and when we say the uh, prairies are going to be best on the morning of august 13th that means we're going to be right in the middle of all these trails okay so uh we're you know we we don't we don't there are some we're going to expect it to cross very close to but those were created gosh hundreds of years ago so we're not expecting anything fantastic it's it's just the 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 night of the 12th 13th is when we're in the core of all these orbits so that's the best time and no matter where you are on the earth to to see the the perseid meteors Now, the meteors you see in July from the Perseid showers, they don't actually uh, shoot from Perseus. They'll actually be coming from Cassiopeia because the uh, as the Earth uh, orbits around the sun, the actual radiant changes by about a degree uh, <coughs> eastward per night. So every, every night, it'll move a little bit eastward until it crosses into Perseus uh, around the 10th of uh, August. And then it'll be very close to the double cluster at the time of maximum activity. Hmm. And it keeps going most of the month and and lasts until probably the 1st of September. And by that time, it's in the well-known constellation of Camelopardalis, the giraffe. <laughs> uh, the well-known constellation. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think there's no star brighter than fourth magnitude in that <laughs> constellation. So it has a long path during during its activity period, but the 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 main the main uh, time it's active it's within the boundaries of Perseus, and well seen from the northern hemisphere. Unfortunately, if you are probably south of 30 degrees south latitude uh you're out of luck because the radiant does not rise from beyond then but folks in the uh southern tropics can see earth grazers in the middle of the night from the perseids not many but like i said the ones you see will be spectacular but uh and if you go too far north guess what it's all it's twilight all night long and mm-hmm. still in August. So north of sixty degrees north latitude, you're out of luck. You you may see the fireballs that occurred during Perseids, but uh, other than that, uh, it's just too bright. So your best latitudes are probably the uh, the southern uh, tier of of states in the United States, along California through Texas and Florida. Okay. So you have best combination of high radiant. Uh, before dawn and longer nights so it's a uh, it's a good deal how many meteors per hour it all depends what night you're watching and where you're watching from okay. now if we're let, let's let's talk about the night of maximum that's where when almost everybody's going to be out right so if you uh, are watching from the city and go outside get comfortable in your lounge chair and look up you'll probably see about 20 an hour. Okay. Now, that's assuming you can see no stars dimmer than fifth magnitude. Right. 
If you go to a more rural area and can see six magnitude stars, that rate will probably double to 40 an hour. Okay. And if you go to the mountaintops or deserts where there's no light, expect an average of one per minute, 60 an hour. Okay. So like the old saying goes goes, that I just made up, (laughs) the the more stars you see, the more meteors you'll see. That makes sense. Okay. I like that old saying. (laughs) Um, I, I should add, if... If you're out of luck and it's cloudy that night, the Perseids can produce surprises. Two years ago, we had an outburst on the morning of the 14th, two full days uh, before the ma- after the maximum. Uh, back back then in 21, the maximum was predicted on the 12th, not the 13th. Yeah. So those people who uh, you know endured two two more nights of meteor activity were in for a surprise because the rates that morning far surpassed what we saw on on the maximum night wow so uh that was that was really uh really cool okay and i knew i knew media i was out and i knew immediately something was screwy mm-hmm. And uh, I I went to my media cameras. I have I have a system that records a, a system of six cameras that records the night sky. Mm-hmm. And that particular night, I had over seven hundred meteors. Whoa! Compared to four hundred for the night of maximum. Wow! So uh, it was just incredible. Is there a reason that was like that? You, you know, know what? This was an orbit that nobody really knew about. And to be honest, I don't think anybody's ever figured out when that was produced. Mm. But by golly, we ran smack dab into it. And for a couple hours, it were they were coming down about 100 an hour. Wow. Now, for a meteor shower like this, it's a larger, more populated with meteor showers, with meteors. How, how many nights would you actually get up and observe? I would definitely... Uh, a minimum of three the night before maximum the night of maximum and the night night after and and if you still still have any any stamina after that uh for sure especially with a new new moon this year right um be out as many nights as possible uh because this is probably next to the gym and it's the best shower of the year okay so, uh, you know, definitely in the top five uh, media producing nights of the year, uh, even the nights before and after are within the top 10. So, yeah, definitely if you can make it out more than one night, okay. uh, don't don't hesitate. Sounds like a plan. Amen. <laughs> now, as we proceed through August, the, the Perseids will probably – uh, the rates will reduce by about 50% each night past the maximum until they're down to just a few an hour by, by the end of the month. And like I said, by that time, they're hard to recognize because they're shooting from the giraffe. And uh, one, other, one other shower that may catch your interest is one that peaks on, let me look at my list here, the Kappa Cygnets on August 14th. That's just uh, one night after the Perseids. Uh, this is for folks who are out early in the evening. Cygnus lies high o- overhead at that time. If you happen to see any bright, slow meteors uh, from northern Cygnus kind of toward the head of Draco, chances are that belongs to the Kappa Cygnus. Hmm. 
Okay. And once again, rates are low, similar to the Alpha Capricornids, but uh, we did love to see those fireballs, though. Okay. And as we proceed through August, uh, things kind of die down again, uh, but they're much better than they were in, in the beginning of, of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your average morning during August will be probably a dozen meteors an hour under good skies. And even the evening hours have now, are now picked up. Because right now, in the, the beginning of July, you're only seeing a couple an hour, but uh, by by August, that has kicked into high gear. Also, I mean, you're you're seeing, oh geez, probably up to four or five an hour, which is pretty darn good for the evening. So, right. And I could. The only other shower that's probably worth mentioning is the uh, Alpha Regis, which has produced uh, outbursts in several years. Unfortunately, that peaks on September first, and that happens to be. The night of the full moon, I believe. Uh, August thirty first is the full moon, yeah, all right. so one day away. So you know, geez, uh, not good for the uh, the showers that aren't well known, right. like the Perseids. But at least we got the the the, the grand shower uh, under right. under good conditions this right. this summer. So um, I I should add that. Um, the, the Perseids you see early in July and late, now they they are have been perturbed greatly to be that, that far from maximum. So uh, obviously they may have smacked into another meteoroid or something, but something has, has knocked them out of whack. And uh, they are they are few and far between. But uh, you, you'll, you begin to see the main the main trails of these meteors as we, as we cross into August. Okay. And like I said, the night of the 12th slash 13th is the one to circle on your calendar. Right. It's, I just put it in my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, these don't ha- happen on a weekend very often. So that, that they seem better. And yeah. with a new, a new moon, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I think that's a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. sure is. Perfect. Now, we'd love to hear your comments about them, and even more, if you really feel challenged and would like to count the number that you see during your watch, that'd be great. Uh, the, the normal period is an hour, mm-hmm. so if you could watch for a solid hour and tell us how many Perseids, and there's going to be other meteors that uh, you won't recognize that come from other parts of the sky. That's completely normal. They're called sporadic. They're they are old meter showers that we can't even recognize anymore. They probably produce one per day or mm. or less. <laughs> so we just we just lump them in in the random or sporadic bin. Okay. But if you could uh, tell us how many Perseids and how many sporadics you see per you know in in the time you were out, that'd be great. Okay. Um, we also would like to combine everybody's observations so we can compare them. And the only, only way to do that is if you can tell us your sky conditions. Are there any clouds? Are there any trees blocking your view? And most importantly, what's the dimmest star you can see? For most people living in the suburbs, it's probably around fifth magnitude. Mm-hmm. And that, that introduces a pretty big correction. Uh, so that we can we can uh, compare it to others, the the standard 
a limiting magnitude of 6.5. And unfortunately, hardly any of us are right. going to get that good. But uh, from my house, I can get to 6.0. So there's a slight correction on there. Anything that I see will need to be multiplied by about 1.25. But if you're observing under under uh, suburban skies, your your uh, rates will probably have to be double to compare to anybody else. I just had cataract surgery, so I'm sure my limited magnitude is drastically increased. <laughs> oh, you know what? You're going to see seven zero, and we'll and we'll actually have to subtract from what you see to compare it to anybody else. Uh, my skies aren't that good where I go for a seven zero, <laughs> but right now though, it's light sensitivity. I have, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> That's wild. Okay, well, I would certainly uh, uh, tell folks to get out if your skies are clear. The remainder of the year, the Orionids peak on October 22nd under a uh, uh, first quarter moon. So that'll set around midnight or one. So that's that'll be good for them. Good. The Leonids. They peak on the 18th, which is the same, pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're be unaffected by moonlight. The Geminids uh, occur under a new moon. So this is really going to be a good half year good. to uh, watch meteor showers. And we'll have to have another podcast about the fall oh, showers. Yeah, definitely. Maybe one on the Orionids and another one in the Geminids later. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. They're both worth it. That sounds like a good idea. All right. And I certainly wish everybody listening uh, good luck with your weather and uh, have a bunch of wishes ready because uh, if you're out there long enough, you'll fill them all. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a plan, Bob. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and giving us an update. My pleasure. My pleasure. Until next time. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Again, I want to thank Bob Lunsford for coming on and talking about the summertime meteor showers. And get out there and observe the meteor showers. All Bob's contact information and web links are in the show notes, so check those out. And please, please, get out there and observe those meteor showers. They're a lot of fun. We upload new episodes of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please give us a rating and a review. I'd really, really appreciate it. You can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, Spotify, and also on the ALPO YouTube channel. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month, where you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I'd like to thank the producers of this podcast, Steve Seedentop and Michael Moyer, for their generous support. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is in the show notes. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.